out and just being like, whew, just going to shake this off. I get a little excess here. <laughs> and then it's like, <gasps> New year, new mountain, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just... New year, new I'm Gabe. And I'm Kat. And we're. And we're. The Ghouls Next next Door. Talking about spooky stuff. Every day, probably. Every week, at least. Yeah. (laughs) At least. (laughs) Yes, we are the weekly media analysis podcast from a horror lens where we explore the real world reasoning behind our cinematic fears. Uh, This month, we're talking about natural disasters, which are terrifying and inevitable and we are powerless against them yeah you really can't hide you can't run you really just kind of have to give in to mother nature it's rude honestly uh to do anything else it's just kind of like all right it's our fault we exist so (laughs) yeah every day you just gotta wake up and pray that Mother Nature's in a good enough mood not to murder you. Yeah. Yeah. It's just all a part of the process, being a human on this this little planet. Yeah. It's one little planet that all we got. Uh, mm-hmm. A fun thing, uh, just kind of going off of our natural disasters time during COVID pandemic where we don't leave our homes. I did mm-hmm. this interesting thing where a few weeks weekends ago, I went on a virtual tour of Mount Fuji. And uh, it was fun. Uh, Avalanches are rare (laughs) at Mount Fuji. They happen, but rare. Uh, But it is an active volcano. We're not going to cover volcanoes in our series. I said that. But it's totally real. And in fact, when we were doing it, uh, the guide was like, there's an active volcano that's currently erupting as we are talking. And I looked it up and there it was. It says erupting as in red. Oh, my God. like what uh the horrors just never stopped but it was really fun it was so it was virtual and you just kind of like are there in a zoom call and you have a guide that's like you're here's the the fifth the fifth station of mount fuji this is what you would see and people are walking this is the seventh station that i'm showing visually um and like if you're looking at the picture you can see me and my boyfriend Mike on the side there, and then the guide is right behind, right under us. His name is Kenji, and we just kind of went through, and we got to see like all the different views of what you would see if you were going there. Um, it was like an hour long, as opposed to like a day and a half, which is yeah. what it would have taken to do that. It's some really cool imagery, and they have like a book that you can like read and stuff and see. It made it definitely made me want to go uh but i would have to do a lot of (laughs) work on my physical capabilities to be able (laughs) to climb a mountain uh because it's pretty intense it's like at one point you like sleep you're just living off of ramen and you also get like um you get the the sickness because it's high and the air is thin 
And so you get altitude sickness is what it's called. Yeah. Terrifying. No, I would never. Uh, get dizzy, I can't. Up. I can't walk around just like the world regular. <laughs> yeah, I don't think asthma make, is allowed. <laughs> if you make air thinner, that's like, ooh. Mm. I go outside in winter and I don't have like a full head hat scarf earmuff situation and i am having an asthma attack immediately so yeah it's cool that the virtual option exists horrifying if an avalanche were to happen uh because then you're just watching someone have very bad time uh well it was so it wasn't what i thought was going to happen was that we would like be talking to someone via gopro of some sort while they're trekking up the mountain that did not happen the guide was not physically on the mountain (laughs) he was also with us and that made me feel better because i was like i am not the kind of person that feels comfortable like watching someone else do physical labor for me (laughs) like i don't want you to go up this mountain panting having sickness or just like snoozing and then talking to me (laughs) Because I'm too lazy or just not fit enough to be able to do this. Um, but no, that was not the case. The, the mountain is actually closed because of the pandemic. And so okay. this is how the guides were supplementing their income. So they're doing virtual tours. And so okay. there's a bunch of us. There's some people who are from Japan who were in the call. There was someone who's from who is living in Boston but is from Indonesia. So it was like wow. it was really cool because it was like all of us getting to to know each other it was mostly mike's family but it was still pretty cool um to talk about and mike has been there and got up to like the fifth sixth station or something but then they ran out of time it was late because you have to like sleep like you have to get up to a certain station and you have to sleep there and then you go up because your body has to like adjust and it's nighttime um (laughs) but it, it, it was an experience to say the least i definitely was like I, de- I want to give it a shot. And it looked easy because I was in a virtual world and he was just showing pictures of people. And I was like, I know that's not what it's like. And the like symptoms for like the the sickness reminded me of uh, Made in Abyss that I told you about yeah. in the anime. Whereas like when you try to come up, you get like nauseous. And, but, so it was like that first or second level of the abyss yeah. and i was like oh no <laughs> i don't want to bleed from all of my orifices yeah um, no that doesn't happen <laughs> in Fuji. um but that's good there's a chance that it could erupt which is you know how it works that's um, fun. today we're not talking about we're not talking about volcanoes but we are talking about mountains that are covered in snow and yeah. then the snow decides it wants to go for a ride down it to do and it doesn't matter what's in its way yeah you oh well people i don't care little town i don't you're in my way yeah it's just nature during like it's purge yeah you know how like we don't have a movie purge where humans just murder each other it's just like nature's like y'all are doing too much so this is my my time it's my time to shine and we're just gonna knock it all out yeah go away now the mountain just being like just gonna shake this off i get a little excess here (laughs) and then it's like new year new mountain you know (laughs) 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 it's good 
thinner, you know? She's yeah. thinner now. She's Fresh. like, I was cold, but now it's getting warm, so I got to get rid of this. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we'll definitely talk about avalanches and what causes them. <laughs> and we are going to be talking about the film Devil's Pass. Uh, Unfortunately. Honestly. <laughs> Yes, unfortunately. Um, it's funny because it is the only horror movie that we're really covering, like specifically horror. Like the other things are horrific, right? They're like thriller. But this is, <laughs> yeah, this is like, this is horror, right? Like that's the whole point of it. And it definitely takes a lot of trips from other horror films, which mm-hmm. I'll talk about at length because I'm also mad that we watched this film. Um, I'll never get those, that time back. But uh, <laughs> we will talk about that. And then we'll also talk about uh, the event that they're talking about in the film Mm -hmm. which is significantly more interesting yes and worth your time and it's also cool because just this year it was solved so let me tell you about devil's pass from 2013 a bikini contest turns into a horrifying affair when it is hit by a shark avalanche (laughs) i'm kidding that's not (laughs) avalanche sharks that sounds That's like the movie we watched. About Avalanche. the equivalent. I wish we watched this instead. <laughs> avalanche Sharks is a real film in which there was an avalanche and now there's sharks there. I don't, I didn't watch this film. I don't know what it's about. <laughs> like besides that, I'd, I, uh, I don't know. Sounds like a fun time. Yeah. I saw some cool images. We got this of a oh. shark coming out of the snow. Excellent. Uh, very loose snow, I guess. How are you getting through there? This one yeah. popping up like Jaws. Uh, and I figured this was a great accompaniment to Devil's Pass because it was so bland, like, and obviously just trying to hit all the tropes of horror. And so I thought, yeah. you know, there's, I mean, it's a bik- bikini contest in snow. So obviously. As you said, cat, it's for the male gaze. There's a lot yeah. of objectifying of women and like <laughs> what have you. So I was like, oh, this is pretty much the same film. Honestly, I couldn't tell you yeah. the difference <laughs> of this film. Um, Creepy men on a mountain just, you know, being the worst. As they are. Uh, and they were in this film. But I'll tell you what the real film is about because I'm nice. Cool. <laughs> so Devil's Pass is from 2013. And it is about a group of students go to the location of the infamous Dietlov Pass incident to make a documentary. But things take a turn for the worse as the secret of what happened there is revealed. And it is by Rennie Harlan. Um, and I did read an article where someone like really loved Rennie Harlan. And they were like, yeah. finally, they made a film and it's awesome. And I was like, did we watch the same film? <laughs> Not to like hate on Rennie awesome. or anything, but yeah, like they loved it. They loved it. Um, Such high praise for something so horrible. It was it was very bad. Uh, it's been a long time since I watched a bad horror movie and didn't enjoy it. You know, true. Yeah. Usually, I have a good time, and this one I didn't have a good time. Yeah, it was like all the characters just sucked, and it was. It's like fun in films where at least you like kind of like the people in it. That mm-hmm. wasn't the case here. They were just the worst I've ever watched on TV. Or it wasn't TV. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the on the screen. Yeah. yeah. I I have so many things that I'm upset about by this film. One, this film makes me really hate that I went to film school. Uh, technically, I got a degree in media, which is broader. 
because I wanted to do broadcast, telecommunications, mass media. But when I started school, I actually was a film student and I left because my film fellow film students were exactly like this. Yeah, <laughs> they were just like, I worst. hated it. I hated them. And I hated how everyone was entitled. And there's like a, when I was going to film school, my mom would always call me Tarantino because she knows that I don't like him. Uh, yeah. And so <laughs> that's what everyone, like if you ask any film student who, who their favorite director was, it was almost always Quentin Tarantino. And I was like, you're up. Ew. It's like if you ask someone what their favorite book is and if they say The Great Gatsby, I tune you out because that means you stop reading in high school. And Great yeah. Gatsby isn't even that good. <laughs> so yeah. that's why I hate it. The other reason why I hated this film is because it gives found footage films a bad name. And if you listen to this podcast, you know that I love found footage. That is my favorite subgenre of horror for a lot of reasons. One of the things about found footage is that you need to have a reason within the narrative that explains why there's cameras present. And also, if the camera is good, so unlike something like Cloverfield, or even wreck like in quarantine yeah. like those aren't the best cameras but like in paranormal activity right like uh i forget his name it was misha or mika mika uh was like well off so he had a nice camera right? yeah. but like you have to explain why there's a camera and if it's a good camera you have to explain why they would have access to a good camera which means a lot of the times there is like a professional film crew reasoning behind it. And in this case, it's students. It's film students who need to get to the bottom of something, which I yeah. always find kind of silly because it's like, <laughs> if this thing is serious enough and is like important, why do they th like, why do they think so highly of themselves that it's just like, this wasn't going to get solved unless these children investigate it. <laughs> like, I, yes. like these people have taken like two classes, like, I, there's no way, even with It's different with their professors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you know, because they would get grants for, you know, it's just like, it's, they didn't even seem like they were in grad school. They seemed like they were young. I think they were Maybe in they grad were. school only because it's their thesis or something. But I still think it's weird because they're like, we're going to go investigate the Diet Love Pass incident where nine students died and the school is like, yeah. Yeah. That sounds safe. We don't that care if you die. Fun. Like, I want to know, like, that's what they should have included at the end was like, what's the repercussions for this school <laughs> for putting their students in harm's way like that? Like, no. Yeah. Um, but there are some really great found footage films. You know that I love them. And there are ones where the film crew is an integral part of the story. Like they are characters that you care about. And yeah. add to the story. Like, you sympathize with them, like you were saying, Kat. Like, The Last Exorcism, Wreck, Creep, The Bay. Like, so many. Um, yeah. <laughs> because they actually add to it. And you you believe who they are. You believe them as genuine characters. In this film, they're very much just tropes. And they are the worst parts of film students that exist. They're doing nothing. They're just typical Americans, uh, despite being played by... Uh, English actors and it's very clear because they lose their accent quite often um, but I think it's like on purpose to have these like annoying American students traipsing through another country and being like, like they know you're what insensitive doing. <laughs> yeah. you're trying to hide this from us we are all 22 years old and we demand the truth and you need to tell us because we have a camera and that means 
we matter. Uh, and that's not the truth. Uh, <laughs> when I was reading up on the film and why I picked it, because I was like, oh, this kind of like sounds like a slightly bad version of like The Descent, but in snow. And I yeah. was like, yeah, the monsters kind of look like it. It's like you're you're spelunking just in snow. It's not. It's not that. Yeah. It's awful. Um, <laughs> and so instead, uh, you just get a bad kind of whiny student film. Um, it does some very interesting things regarding like, like the narrative structure of like, oh, here's the beginning. We're setting up for the film. And then it's like, er, er, they're all dead. <laughs> and then it's yeah. like, but let's see what happened, which was like, I appreciate that because that's kind of fun. But that was like it. Um, but we are asking fundamental questions in this series to really like hone in on it being a natural disaster film. And so one of the questions is, does it accurately represent the horrors of a natural disaster? No. <laughs> yeah. No, it doesn't. Nope. Um, only in that the avalanche actually plays little to no part in this film, which is kind of funny considering the mystery that they're trying to solve in their documentary was actually caused by an avalanche. Um, and we will talk about because it's been it's been found out. It's science. Science got to yeah. it. Not students <laughs> investigating yeah. the cameras. Actual scientists. Uh, and so it's been solved. And Kat will talk about the solve. And I'll talk about the actual incident. But there's like. Nothing for this avalanche. But there was something interesting that I thought about when I was watching it was that the avalanche in this film, uh, spoilers <laughs> for this film, <laughs> I don't want anyone to watch, is triggered on purpose. Like the whole thing was that they went there. You have to file all these reports so that the Russians know that they're there. It's similar to the descent where they should ha you have to like register to be like, I'm going to spelunk in this place. So if anything goes wrong. People know where yeah. to find me. And that was the problem in the descent. With this, it's like you have to, you know, file all these things so you can have the rights to go up there into people's yeah. land. And so the Russians know they're there and to hide their super dark secrets, uh, you know, <laughs> um, pre the wars, the the wall is down um, kind of things. Uh, so the Cold War, uh, they uh, try to kill these students, but in a way that looks like an accident. So they can cover it yeah. up. Uh, and so I thought it was interesting that the natural disaster was actually used as a weapon to hurt these nosy and intolerable Americans. So I yeah. did some digging to see if humans can actually cause avalanches. And in a quick Google search, I came to an alarming response that thanks, uh, thanks to avalanche.org, which says nice. in 90% of avalanche accidents, the victim or someone in the victim's party triggers the avalanche. So cool. Skiing is not in my future plans. Yep. <laughs> I've been I've been snowboarding twice and it hurt a lot both times. Yeah. I can't. I have like, no desire. It's like my like when you're snowboarding. I don't know why uh -huh. I thought that would be a good idea. Your your like legs are attached. Your feet are attached to the one board and it's like I can't do them individually. So I think I'd have to ski or whatever like roller skating version of being in the snow would be. I can ice skate. That's it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, I used to like ice skating and rollerblading, but never ever in life would I intentionally go on a mountain and where snow exists. I don't like snow when it's just like winter. I don't know. Why? 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I I had fun. It just like most of the time, I spent it on my butt because I couldn't go anywhere. Um, I just feel like you, my- so many people get injured. So like, why? It just seems silly. I don't know. But maybe it's someone's <laughs> calling and they're just super excited about it. But I just really don't get the appeal. I'm like, be cold all day. Maybe dislocate something. That sounds real fun. Well, you're maybe trigger avalanche for that. <laughs> That's fair. I know, but I'm just like, why? I just yeah. don't get it. I just don't understand. It's something that's just like not within my purview of understanding. And maybe someone can explain it to me, but I think it's, I just don't, why? That's where how yeah. I feel. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, when I sno- did the snowboarding, I didn't start at the bunny hill like I should have because I was with people who already knew how to do it. And so I was like, mm. Yeah, I'll go. But I'll tell you, it's super scary to be on that lift. And after, so we actually covered um, the Diet Love Pass incident and the Donner Party incident uh, in our snow episode where mm-hmm. we covered Frozen, not that one, uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the horror movie. And that one's really scary because you're on the ski lift. And then that's like, yeah, what that a was horrifying, horrifying experience. Yeah, terrifying. Like one of the top 10, like, scariest films. Because <laughs> you're just yeah. like, it's real, right? Like there's... There's no monsters. It's just, just real life. It's just your wolves bad and bone breaking. Yeah, and you know you're frostbitten. Uh, yeah. So, so I, it's it's a scary time sometimes. Um, but I wanted to figure out, it, you know, past just like okay accidents, um, can it be triggered on purpose? Which is what happens in the film. So according to Snowsafe co.uk which is the mountain rescue services um they actually trigger controlled avalanches on purpose and for good reason and so in an article titled controlled avalanches why do mountain rescue services set them off and how they explain that a key reason for triggering these avalanches is strangely for safety reasons what happens is that the mountain rescue will often trigger small controlled avalanches in order to prevent larger ones from occurring mountain towns, railway lines, and ski resorts where avalanches pose a risk to life will often see and hear explosive charges used to cause smaller avalanches. So you get a little cool. avalanche as a treat. Yeah. <laughs> you get, we could do little avalanche now, so not big avalanche later. We're just like, yeah. let's brush off this mountain. She's feeling a little heavy. Give her a yeah. little self-care and then she's fine. She won't shed it all at once. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it, it's smart. It makes sense. And they do in the film hear like the explosion. And then they yeah. like linked it. They were like, oh, in the story, which was one of the only things I enjoyed was that they were like, people reported red lights in the sky. It must have been the flares. But actually the red lights were something reported much later after the incident. So it's unrelated. But it was still fun in the film. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to happen. Uh, so you might think, yeah, how do they cause avalanches on purpose? And according to this article, they use explosive charges. These are triggered usually in predetermined areas via helicopter, Gazex cannons, or metal Ooh. pipes fixed to the side of the mountains on high-risk slopes. And if you're wondering what a Gazex cannon is, because I was, they are large pipes facing downward, which emit hot gases at vulnerable slopes to set off the small controlled avalanches. So like cool. explosions for fun and for safety. Explosions yeah. for safety. <laughs> That's nice. like my new band name. Um, yeah. So, Bakugo would love it. Who? 
Bakugo from oh, yes. My <laughs> Murder Death Boy. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> he would be hired. They should have a whole set where he does that as his job. He can like do that for one of his like little training jobs. Hero missions. He would yeah. love it. Just big. Go do little. Do time. little. Do a little avalanche for a treat, and then we save people. Um, so in this film, even though the Russians were uh, not causing the the controlled avalanches to protect neighboring towns, they are attempting to protect humanity from this terrible film. So honestly, they're the real heroes at the end yes. of the day. So the I would other agree part, with that. <laughs> yeah, the other part of this uh, series that we're covering is what is this film trying to teach us about humanity and even though it barely touches on real avalanches, like, at all, I will say that it represents humanity pretty spot on in that people often flock to the scene of crimes or disasters to cover it for fame uh, and neglect all the warning signs. Like, they fail to acknowledge that people actually died here and deserve some respect. And yeah. <laughs> so it was like, that, that was one thing I, like, really disliked. Um, just, like, I feel that way about most true crime anyway. <laughs> it's like you got to give yeah. some respect to the to the incident, which is, like, in our episode on diet, uh, the Donner Party and Diet Love Pass, I cover some of that content from uh, a podcast that I don't listen to anymore because of that. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. they did, like, they did do a lot of research for the Donner Party episode. And there's, like... a one of the members of that podcast that actually does work. Um, but one thing I was like, oh my God, this is the most human thing I've ever seen is that they actually have like a part where she spray paints the like red figures in the snow, like a crime scene, and then puts the image of the person who died on a stick. And he's like, this is where they died. And I was like, man, that is so film student. Like, look at me getting to the bottom of this. Um, yeah. And the film also does... Uh, show images of the actual deaths from the Diet Love Pass incident, and there's, like, no warning. It's just on there in the beginning. And I was like, whoa, what are we doing? Um, <laughs> just kind of putting it out there. The other disaster that is being covered in this film is the Diet Love Pass incidents, um, which I said we, we covered in previous episodes, uh, though... You know, our script for it was very loose and not very informative at all. Yeah. Uh, but the fi the episode itself, I know we put a lot of work into. <laughs> so feel free to yeah. take a listen to get more in depth on like what happened to the Donner Party, because there's a lot more than what people think. Also, not a lot of people know about the Donner Party. And I thought that was wild. Um, but yeah. also the Diet Love Pass incident, now that it's like in the, you know, in the headlines because it was solved, you can listen to some of the um, the scenarios that people envisioned <laughs> caused it because uh, Kat did some really intensive uh, research into it. But uh, here's a rundown of the Diet Love Pass incident, which is actually named after one of the members. So on February 2nd, 1959, a group of nine college student ski hikers died in the Ural Mountains of Western Russia under mysterious circumstances. They were traveling from Sverdlovsk, but it, which is what it was called in the Soviet time. And now it's called Yekaterinburg. Yekaterinburg. Um, and they, they left in January. So um, it was a month before they were found dead. Uh, <laughs> it was fun with the Russian words because I've been playing Pandemic Legacy, the, the prequel. And Ooh. it was against, like, you know, the Soviet Union. 
And mm. so it took a lot of play. A lot of things took place in Novosibirsk and I had to look it up and I would argue with Mike because he wouldn't say it right. <laughs> it's mm. like, we're going to pronounce this correctly. So according to an article in the Atlantic titled the Russian conspiracy theory that won't die by Alec Lunn, uh, the, they plan to ski about 200 miles over 16 days, summiting several peaks along the way, allowing enough time to be back for the spring semester. After catching a lift with some lumberjacks and following a sleigh driver north, the group skied out of an abandoned village on January 28th, eventually making it to their final campsite on February 1st. Searchers later found their tracks along a frozen river and upon reaching Dead Mountain, which is what it's called, uh, stumbled across a half-collapsed tent on a steep, windswept slope. Inside, food supplies and outer clothing were laid out as if the group had been about to cook dinner. Nine pairs of boots stood along the wall. Bizarrely, the tent appeared as if it had been slashed open from within. Which is spooky. It's And that's why you hear the details of this case. And it's very obvious why people were like, all right, let's yeah, what all aboard the conspiracy train. Like some, what aren't they telling us? I think also on top of the fact that like it's real, like the circumstances in which these bodies were found are really confusing. Uh, the time it took to get to the bodies because of the snow and also because it was during the Soviet Union where they were closing off, like Stalin was like, nobody's knowing nothing. <laughs> like it was like, we're yeah. not reporting on anything. So it wasn't for years that the news even got like was allowed to be out. And so then there was all these conspiracies because it was like, what are they keeping from us? Is it government, you know, things, which mm. is kind of what this film lies on. But all of the victims were found wearing little to no clothing and no shoes because all their shoes were inside the tent. Two of the hikers had fractured skulls and another two cracked ribs, um, but in no case was there any external injury. So it was all just like internal badgering of their bodies. Yeah. Um, one of this is one of the biggest things that people like freak out about is one of the corpses was missing its tongue. Um, and so it appears that based on the circumstance of how the tent was found, that the hikers had fled from their tents in the middle of the night, cutting their way out from the inside, and at some point had removed their clothing. Um, yeah. One of them also had larger, like, more than expected amount of radiation on them, which is also commented on. Um, and they didn't actually find all of the bodies until after the snow started to thaw, um, which only further complicated the investigation so yeah a bunch of theories popped up about the dialogue pass incident all those <laughs> crazy rumors from like uh pseudoscience real science paranormal can conspiracy cat goes into all of them <laughs> or a good amount of them in our episode about it but here's a little snack a version of them uh one of the predominant ideas was the paradoxical undressing which is scoffed yeah. at in the film but is a real occurrence that happens when people experience hypothermia which is where you remove your clothing because you are perceiving your body to be hot like overwhelmingly on fire and i don't know if you've ever felt that way where you're like that cold that you just feel hot i've had that before. <laughs> like yeah. um you know so you end up like taking and you kind of like snap for reason right it's kind of like if yeah. you're, some people when they have a stroke they remove themselves they move to a different location even though it makes more sense to be surrounded by people who could help you um you're just your brain is like we have to go somewhere else so your brain doesn't always make sense um when it is you know 
up against things happening to your body that is stressful for it. Um, in fact, I even mentioned in that episode that there was strange uh, behavior from a member of the Donner Party that they ex exhibited after experiencing hyperthermia, which resembled the theories in the Diet Lab Pass incident. And these are totally yeah. two different things. Like one is in America <laughs> happening to people trying to find a new home. Uh, and then there's like, you know, the Russians. So, yeah. What are the odds? Uh, the other <laughs> conspiracies are government cover-ups, um, which is explored in this film that, you know, what are they keeping from us? They talk about the Philadelphia experiment. Uh, and then, of course, aliens or yetis. <laughs> I also yeah. once listened to a podcast that explained away their behavior uh, as being a result of this high-pitched sound that avalanche ca avalanches cause. Because it's like when it moves... So, it was something. I drowned it out because I was like, this is crazy. I've listened to some really <laughs> ridiculous reasoning behind things on podcasts all the time. Yeah. This person was like, it was sound that scrambled their brain and then they all got naked and did stuff. Um, but essentially it was that, you know, <laughs> they were cold. They leave the tent. There is an avalanche. Cat will get into it. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so it, odds are it was not aliens. Um, the, the film actually only really briefly touches on the actual incident. Instead, it leans heavily into the film students are the only ones to get to the bottom of it trope. Um, and they show like th there's like local enthusiasm, but also like the more understandable resistance to these foreigners who are just traipsing around crime scenes. Um, yeah. And then in an article on the AV club titled Devil's Pass by uh, Mike D'Angelo, who we've actually referred to a few times in our show, um, nice. sums up my feelings of disappointment after watching a film that promoted itself heavily uh, in relation to the incident and then like didn't bring anything to the table that was of any interest um because <laughs> it's not really about the diet loud pass incident so uh d'angelo says it's about five blands good blandly good looking american kids who decide to make a documentary about the diet loud pass incident but subsequently disappear in the same area leaving behind sigh their camera equipment that's it. That's all they say. Um, but D'Angelo goes on to complain reasonably about the si the film's similarities to Blair Witch Project, which is a found footage film that is near and dear to my heart because it, it it ignited the whole thing, <laughs> which yeah. I love. A whole subgenre that I love. Um, it, and there's so many similarities. There's the footprints in the snow left in the middle of the night by someone or something unknown, only to be discovered in the morning and make you upset. There's the female director who's spearheading the adventure and is like pushing everything forward and might not be uh, reliable. Um, there's the crying and sobbing shot at the end when all hope is lost. There's a very fun website. Conspiracy leaks <laughs> that released yeah. the footage. So it was all like, this is one, not what they want you to see. We have the whole truth. Um, the thing about the Blair Witch Project, though, is that it had phenomenal marketing and was kickstarting a very unique subgenre of horror. Like the whole intent of yeah. it was like, this is new. It's never been done. But The Devil's Pass is one of many of these yeah. films. And it offers nothing new to the genre. Its twist ending was lackluster and like, confusing <laughs> just like why are we yeah. doing this and i feel like whenever you bring time travel and dimensions stuff into a narrative in the end you're kind of failing your viewers because it really was like a different movie at the end and i was like what are we doing yeah. why did i go through all of that to get here 
I would have yeah. rather you had those cool things in the beginning. Is this a monster movie or is it a time travel movie or is it a mockumentary? Like, what are we doing? Um, the monsters are silly. I don't yeah. understand. Ooh, my microphone fell. <laughs> um, I'm so angry. I'm destroying things. Uh, the uh, the monsters were really silly, and I don't understand why they were afraid of her when she was throwing the chains around. Like they would evaporate. Like I guess because they were like teleporting or whatever. But like, I don't know why. Like there was no reason why yeah. she would think that and why they would react that way. Like it's just some chains. You've been eating people up willy-nilly because you're just monsters who could do that like leaving tongues in places you shouldn't be leaving tongues but you're afraid of this lady and then also like why isn't it triggering like a weird you know paradox thing because you're also in there (laughs) like you, you met yourself anyway uh i hated that the characters were all tropes without any development they all were just like scooby doo and they even re- yeah. remark on that. They mention Scooby-Doo. Like, you're all Scooby-Doo characters. Uh, I hate how they dealt with the one hot one. She just died. She just died and not even in any way cool. It was really sad. Um, yeah. And, again, the British actors who their accent slipped and it was so annoying. It was really annoying for me because <laughs> I was like, why aren't you just, a, like, British then? Like, if you're going to say Slaughterhouse 5 instead of Slaughterhouse 5, or, like, Alexander instead of Alexander, <laughs> like, pick one. Just pick one and do it. And why didn't anyone catch them? Like, for consistency. Anyway, what I'm saying about this film is that it's bad. <laughs> that's it. That's what I got. That's good. That's good. That's, that's what the people came for. It's bad. Don't watch it. I, I feel mutually, uh, honestly, about the entire thing. I was just like, this is why. So I feel equally about the film how I feel about snow mountains. Yeah. Why do? Why we do? Um, but yeah, I have stuff too. Might talk about it. Sure, if you like want to. Yeah. So in our facts section today, we are going to talk about avalanches you know like why are they what do they do what is it um and an avalanche are masses of snow ice and rocks that fall rapidly down a mountainside they can be deadly um i feel like that goes without saying but is from national geographic about avalanches why uh what do you do in the case of an avalanche i think we really just don't see (laughs) A good representation of this in the film but you know if you are in snow murder land what do you do um and this is brought to you by travel and leisure's article what do you do if you're caught in a path of an avalanche written by elizabeth presquet um it comes with six easy steps that you can follow to avoid snow murder um i've had my own thoughts to this list for your safety and enjoyment um which it's basically saying the same thing the person did but i made it more fun (laughs) okay Uh, um on number one on the list we have move to the side you cannot outrun snow murder instead of insulting mother nature by trying to beat in a race you should instead run perpendicularly to the path of the incoming snow to get out of the way um i'll mm -hmm, think i will mm -hmm. definitely be thinking of that (laughs) while running from I mean for real I made the (laughs) it's like when there's like a a gun like when you're Mm -hmm. getting like or like um the bow and arrow in um in Game of Thrones when he was just running it straight and it was like you gotta run in a zigzag 
zigzag. But it's like no one's actually thinking that when you're running yeah. from a bow and arrow <laughs> or guns. Yeah. No, it's fair. It's fair. I'm trying to make them funny so that in the instance that you are in this situation for whatever reason, like if you dare to go on a mountain where snow is for whatever thing that possessed you, uh, that you know what to do, you know, just for safety. Um, number two, grab something sturdy. Uh, a twist on the classic rock, paper, scissors comes avalanche, boulder, tree. Only one will win. Oh, Depending on the strength of the avalanche, boulders or trees might be strong enough to stand their ground. Holding on to one of these might keep you above the snow and also keep you from moving down the mountain. So that was not what the article said, but I was very proud of it. So you're welcome. In cases of avalanche happening... Play Avalanche Boulder Tree, and it can save your life. Um, number three, swim. I thought that was cool because it's like snow is frozen water. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's frozen water, so it's kind of like swimming. Um, try to mimic the snow's violent onslaught by thrashing violently yourself to stay on top of the snow. <laughs> Staying on top will keep you from being buried under mounds of snow and debris, which just seems like a really smart plan. Yeah, you um, know. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be buried underneath. There's a whole oxygen-related thing that's associated with that. You can asphyxiate yeah. yourself. A lot of people die that way, which mm. is sad. Yes. Um, so number four, hold one arm up. You should try to reach one arm up while you're going down the mountain if you can, so that if you get buried, you give your rescue team a literal hand in helping find you. Um, <laughs> yeah, you get it. Yeah, that was actually from that's the article. Good. So yeah. that's you know. a good one. I get it because yeah. then you're at least you're like out and you're like you got a little yeah. hand there and yeah. they're like that's a human. You're helping yeah. survive. You're helping yourself by helping other people find you. Um, number five, create room to breathe. Most avalanche avalanche related fatalities, as I said before, are caused by asphyxiation. So if you're caught in an avalanche, it says try to cup your hands over your mouth while you're still moving so that uh, you can create a small pocket of air that will last you about 30 minutes. That's how long you kind of have like a window. Um, the It also suggests kind of making space around your face so that uh, if you have, if you're like you're under the snow, essentially it gives you a bigger pocket of air to survive on and kind of extend your time um, before you would start experiencing uh carbon monoxide poisoning from your own breath. Um, number six is stay calm. Uh, it seems silly, uh, but you might reasonably panic if you're in this situation. Um, but it notes that if you panic, your breath will quicken. It'll make your time and your window for survival shrink. Um, and I added an additional number seven. Don't, don't go there. Don't go, don't go snowy mountain. Why need, why do you need, what is, what are you trying to prove <laughs> to the world and mother nature by testing it in this way? Yeah, why you gotta be up there? Yeah. Like, unless you live there, that's different, but like go for fun. No, <laughs> it's not fun. You dislocate your knee, you break your ankle. You suffocate. Why? Yeah. Suffocate. Like you could really hurt yourself. And as in Gabe's section, she said 90% of avalanches are caused by people. Yeah. Just being stupid up there. So, like, do yourself a favor. Do the mountain a favor. Just don't <laughs> go. Let them. New mountain, new 
new me moment themselves like without you just do that instead um yeah yeah uh and avalanches why are they so terrifying i think it goes without saying honestly but much like tsunamis avalanches are scary in their suddenness an unexpected and deadly way that nature can attack you uh they can be easily avoided though just by not going to snow places yeah. um can't stress that enough i, I really think that's like the key that people <laughs> yeah. are missing uh yeah. in these scenarios yeah. uh i mean you're not wrong in that there would be zero deaths by avalanche if no one is where avalanche happens yeah it's just that's just i facts. feel the same exact way about the ocean by the way and <laughs> yeah i will never live coastally i did it once because my mom forced me to by moving somewhere that was on the coast um and hurricane sandy immediately <laughs> yeah it's it a sign like, it's very here? much like you you don't belong here and she wanted to stay like our whole house flooded we had to like walk through the water i was terrified sharks would happen it's just like why just don't live in these places (laughs) but that's not an option that's literally not an option for some people yeah not everyone can live in your house yeah and also like it's very much like the real estate is intentionally priced to trap people which is really messed up um so i i do not mean to be insensitive if like people do live in these areas and cannot help it uh but if you don't and you go for fun that's silly don't do that that's a choice. That's yeah. different. Don't go and investigate the mysterious deaths of nine students and go to the same place and experience like, Unless you got thing. it. And the answer is you don't got it. Like, <laughs> you don't. You don't have to. <laughs> um, but what happened in the Dialov Pass incident? Like, what? Wh- why, why are we talking about it? What happened during it? It actually was apparently solved. I put solved in quotes because... No one actually survived the incident, so there's no way to know for certain what happened. But this is science's best guess. Um, I think the Smithsonian Magazine's article, Have Scientists scientists Finally Unraveled the 60-Year Mystery Surrounding Nine Russian Hikers' Deaths, written by Milan Sali, for the information that I will be sharing. The article argues that there's a perfectly good non-conspiracy theory explanation for the incident that we can apparently thank the other frozen film for the disney one with elsa and anna crazy yeah no it generally is as well as (laughs) as well as two individuals named johan gome and alexander husrin uh they state plainly that they do not claim to have solved this mystery um as no one survived to tell the story but uh we are able to show plausibly of avalanche hypothesis for the first time through science. Like we're able to kind of get it. Um, so in the research that unfolded, National Geographic researchers, Gollum and Prison, used the animation code from the snow for the 2013 Disney film Frozen uh, to create a simulation tool that could mimic the conditions from the incident. Um, this data matched with the data from the cadaver tests conducted by General Motors in the 1970s, helped determine what happened to the human body, which struck at different speeds, allowed for them to like kind of figure out how this avalanche in this specific scenario could cause the injuries that were shown in the incident. So the broken ribs, the, you know, severe, like kind of internal situation that was happening. This is not the crossover that I ever thought would happen with GM and Disney's frozen. Like I never thought that we would have them to thank (laughs) 
for, for the solving for of this incident, right? It's, yeah. it's definitely so wild. Cool. Yeah. Um, so the author is this. The study, Goldman Prison, used historical records to recreate the mountain's environment on the night of the Dyatlov incident and attempted to address the seeming inconsistencies. Then, science scientists write in the study, they simulated a slab avalanche, drawing on snow friction data and local topography, which revealed that the slope wasn't actually as shallow as it had seemed when they were first doing their research to prove that a small snow slide could have swept through the area while leaving a few traces behind. The authors theorized that catabolic wind, catabotic, catabotic, which is a fun word, uh, winds, where fast-flowing tunnels of air propelled the force of gravity, transporting the snow down the mountain to the campsite. Um, and essentially, they're arguing that because they cut into the slope to put their tent down, which uh, there's actually like a cool Im image on the website if you feel interested but uh they made a cut in the slope nothing would have happened if they didn't make that cut essentially um and but at a certain point a crack could have formed and propagated causing the snow slab to release and if you're thinking like this snow is frozen you know what i mean like hard it's not just like light fluffy fun snowball time it is like frozen snow ice time um it kind of showed that the heavy blocks of solid snow could have landed on the hikers as they slept, crushing their bones and causing injuries not typically associated with avalanches. If this was the case, the pair argues that those who had sustained less serious blows likely dragged their in injured companions out of the tent in hopes of saving their lives. Um, yeah, no, it's sad. like, yeah, it's super sad. Uh, but it's, it's interesting because it kind of offers some resolution to the situation since it was so strange people were very like scared by it and concerned and did not understand what had happened and it's especially scary for the folks who like think it was the government you know that the government would do that to people like that's horrifying you do not want your government to be doing that that's yeah. you want to be safe they're supposed to take care of you if you live there um so it's also not arguably super far from like what like, is reasonable to assume from your government, yeah. too. Especially that government of that time. Like, it was totally yeah. reasonable to be like, they did something wrong. Yeah. So, there are skeptics of this theory. Um, questioning, like, why the hikers would run into the snow without their clothes. But I honestly think if they were, if the snow landed on them while they were sleeping, why would they be fully in their hiking gear and their snow gear, like, if they were, or even just like getting ready for dinner, they would be in more casual clothes if it's warm inside their tent. Um, so like, I think it's reasonable to assume they wouldn't be in their full hiking gear if a giant slab of snow landed on their tent um, and was crushing them. Like you don't have time to put on your shoes in that situation. So I don't know. I, I think it makes sense. Obviously, I'm not a scientist. I've said that on multiple episodes, uh, but it seems it seems pretty legit. Uh, well, that and, and they also weird. show that in the film, too, because the one girl is like they're having sex in the tent or about to again. Yeah. And like she doesn't get her clothes on. She was running in the, like in her underwear and he had clothes on somehow. But it was like because it was just happening and it just took the amount of time for someone to be like avalanche for them to move. Yeah. And it's, yeah, people aren't able to get dressed that fast all the time. Like, you know, if you're 
butt naked, it's going to take a minute to get your layers, your shoes, your everything back onto your body. So I think it's yeah. reasonable. I think this is probably legit. Um, it's science's best guess. Uh, I think it's funny that they claim it's like, it's solved in the title, but like, yeah, that the it's, people were like, no, we like, we think there's no yeah. way to know, but this is the we closest think. to an answer that yeah. we can ever get because we were not there. Yeah. We don't have footage or time travel. But yeah. I thought it was interesting. I think obviously this is a horrible situation that happened and it's cool to have some variety of closure that wasn't from the worst ever film students that were in this film. That was not the weird science. Like that was not science. It was like a weird sci-fi time travel twist where you have the descent monsters, but they tell it's, it was really strange. And it was honestly yeah. like very disrespectful to the incident itself. Yeah. The whole in that like, was. yeah, it was totally just like using the, knowledge of the incident to like boost their film rating like to get people to go see it thinking that it is having to do with that and it's not so it's rude yeah especially because like it was such a well-known theory and i i mean i enjoyed that they do in the beginning throw out some of those but it was very obvious that the characters and then by extension the creators of this film were obnoxious and not actually caring about them like it, it like even the main character with her like being like I had dreams that I was gonna find it and like I'm destined for this it was never really like I'm destined to figure out what happened to those poor individuals it was like I was destined to be the one who figures this mystery out yeah which is like it's super rude and it's also like you know some of the motivation for a lot of true crime anyway yeah and I mean it's it's if they were trying to show how disrespectful Americans can be in traveling, they got cool. it. Like they that's a horror. That's a horror movie in and of itself. Yeah. Um, and they achieve that. But if they were trying to like pay respects to the people who were lost in this incident, they one hundred percent could have just had Russian people who were from Russia, like, and were interested in what happened to people who were like from their country that died and like paid, like paid adequate respect to it and tried to uncover an actual mystery um, that I would have watched that. That would have been cool. Like, yeah. Probably and there more was a lot of people, like a lot of the information that came out came from people who were closely related. So like there was a gentleman who was a part of the expedition, but, but got hurt early on and ended up having to turn back. And so he reported on some things and actually wrote a book. Um, There's people who, there was someone who was young and attended the funeral of the students um, when they were really young. And then later in like their adult age wrote books on it. And that, I think that was the one who wrote about like aliens. Um, But it, it, what it is to say is that like, there's an interest in that country and there are people who are actually directly related to the people who are harmed that could have a more, understandable and like accepting obsession with it like could i mean imagine if that was like oh that was my aunt who perished and i want to know what Mm -hmm. happened to her or like and and i went to school to do the same thing that they did and i'm going to recreate it to get to the bottom because like 
mysterious deaths like that do traumatize and affect families. And there's an obsession that happens that we definitely see and could have totally reasonably put that through. And like also mm-hmm. an understanding of like it was also very rude to Russia because like there's so many like Cold War like digs that they say like the Americans clearly don't have any respect for the people there and don't see them as people like they just see them as tools like there's a woman who's like bearing her heart about what she experienced and they didn't care they were just like oh this is like good oh it's spooky I'm spooked (laughs) instead of being like oh this woman is traumatized because she saw real actual dead bodies and they took it as opportunity to just zoom in on this chick who's film like doing the sound for yeah. it. It was super gross. Cuz she's hot. Yeah. And and it's if you think about the fact that there's actually the person who came back and wrote a book, they put him in a mental hospital in the movie. Mhm. Yeah. Which is rude if that's not true. Like Yeah. They're basically they said he had, like, like conspiracy theories and stuff. And the fact that like I mean that they they made it so that the people who worked at the sanitarium were the were also villains because like you're keeping the truth from us it's like no they're probably trying to take care of that person who is like yeah. clearly needs help and you're just traipsing in here and you think you deserve answers for something you're trying to like take advantage of the mental state that is in play like that's yeah. really rude the only good thing for that is that they didn't actually talk to him because yeah that happens because well, they would have horror. been a horrible job yeah they would have been so rude so often in horror they're like you have to tell us what it is we're going to force you to relive this traumatic event that you are institutionalized for because we need the answers and that happens all the time in horror so i'm, yeah. I'm happy that they just got a that didn't. message that said don't go <laughs> instead yeah. that she has like photographic memory for and can spell out in the snow yeah. uh yeah um that's all that's to say that avalanches are scary yeah and and if it happens most likely it's your fault or your friend's fault or whoever is there with you um don't go traipsing around crime scenes for a good reason don't yell when you're in the snow yeah don't yell in the snow and don't watch this movie (laughs) ever don't watch it it. was genuinely horrible yeah it was bad. It was bad. And I love found footage. I, if you want a good found footage film, hit me up. I got it. Yeah. I got you. But it wasn't <laughs> this. At length. At length, I can t- any any sub-sub-genre that you want experienced. I got you. Um, but maybe we'll have to do some screening parties to watch, like, that the one where the sharks were in the grocery store and the, the fire-breathing spiders. And 100%. Now, avalanche sharks. So yes. we could just, I, yeah, I want that. And I really want to watch the film where the sand eats you. We should have a series where we watch a bunch of different, like, ridiculous shark or spider films, even though I would cry the entire time. But I feel like that'd just be really funny. And then also the one where the sand eats you, the one where the sushi eats you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those are good. The couch murder, the murder, yeah. murderous the couch. couch. Uh-huh. I think that's good. Now, the hair, bad hair. Yeah. We watch that. Um, Classics. I with sharks. There, I just think of Deep Blue Sea, and it's such a good film. It's so scary. It's so good. Black guys survived. It's a phenomenal film. It's ten I've stars. No, I don't know if I've seen it. You would never see it. It's That's good. it's under the water. Has to do with sharks. Okay. Yep. You're right. I would, <laughs> it's I would very, never, it's that so good. It's so good. Like though. my nightmare. But yes. that's not a weird one because it makes sense because the ocean is where the sharks are. 
So it was just that people were in the place that sharks do. I do think are. it would be fun if we did that where I was, we had like react, how in the movie we first started, we had reactions yeah. of yeah. us watching the films. Yeah. Um, we watch a bunch of films that horrify me and then we yeah. watch a bunch of films that horrify you and we should do like reaction videos. The evidence. Yeah. You should do react. I think if you want to hear, if you want to see reaction videos of the ghouls, uh, th- let us know and we'll do it. Yeah. Because <laughs> we get scared. We still do actually get scared. Um, yeah. Genuinely. <laughs> so. Um, but like we know we'll get scared of those. So it's like. Yeah. It'd be fun. Yeah. It would be fun. It would be fun. So. Um, yeah. Don't get married. They'll eat your kids. Yeah. Or your kids will go where they should. Be the worst. Don't do it. Yeah. Maybe they deserved it. <laughs> Don't go where you shouldn't be. Um, yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.